Welcome back to My Immune System Hates Me. I'm Chelsea, and today you'll hear from Jana. As a teen, Jana started experiencing classic autoimmune symptoms. Fatigue, weight loss, muscle pain, you know the drill. But she had a hard time getting a diagnosis. Today, she has a total of three autoimmune conditions and is using her knowledge and experience to help coach others. Here she is. Hi, Jenna. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Before we get into your health history, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. Okay. So uh, my name is Jana. I am a Canadian born, now American. I've been in the States for um, just about 20 years. I've been here. I grew up in a very cold climate up in Timmins, Ontario. If anybody knows where that is, it's a tough place to grow up. Very uh, cold climate. So now I'm in Rochester, New York, upstate New York, and I feel like it's the sunny south (laughs) compared to where I grew up. So I live in Rochester, New York. I have two teenage boys and I have three teenage dog boys. So I'm in a family of testosterone and it's just surrounded by males everywhere I turn. So we also have a male cat. I usually forget him because I'm not a cat lover, but we also have a cat. Wow. Yeah. And I have my own business. I actually have several businesses. One kind of died this year with COVID, but that was an elder care companion level care business and care management business. And I also am a wellness coach and I do focus on women with autoimmune disease because that's what I know the best. Um, And I started that this year with everything that happened with my other business. That was my sort of pivoting moment of the year. And if that wasn't enough, I am just about to start an online shop, a stationary shop, and it will have principles and paper products designed for women with chronic illness. So uh, I have a wellness planner in the works and lots of different habit trackers. Again, things that I've used myself to sort of gain control of my health. Now I want to share with the world. So that's my crazy life. That is so cool. I'm, I mean, I don't know how many stationary companies there are out there that gear towards people with autoimmune disease. So that's really cool. Yeah. And I too am a Canadian who moved to New York. Yeah. I'm from, I'm from Vancouver. So a lot, lot less cold. Um, Yeah. It's beautiful. So let's dive into your autoimmune issues. What is it that you've got going on? Tell us a bit about it. So I have three autoimmune conditions. I have fibromyalgia, endometriosis, and rheumatoid arthritis. That's the order I was diagnosed into. It was first fibromyalgia, then endometriosis, and then rheumatoid arthritis. I actually kind of combine them all. I feel like they're so related that the doctors gave me three diagnoses, but I kind of just say I have an autoimmune condition. I feel like they're all sort of related. From what I've heard, there are so many people that are diagnosed with autoimmune diseases and then fibromyalgia kind of comes in at the end where they're like, yeah, you have these things and then the extra symptoms, that's fibromyalgia. So that's interesting that you were diagnosed with fibro first. Yeah, it's an interesting story. So when I hit puberty, I started to have a lot of symptoms of muscle pain, um, tiredness. I lost a bunch of weight 
and we didn't know what was going on. My parents were very worried and started bringing me to different doctors. It was probably one of the worst times of my life because you're an adolescent, so you're hormonal to begin with, and then you're not feeling well, and you have these doctors that are saying it's puberty, um, what's going on at school, is she being bullied, like just automatically jumping to that conclusion that it must just be something psychological that's going on, something bothering me at school. And as a young girl, I think I actually started to believe that myself, that, oh my goodness, there's something wrong with me. I can't get up. I can't function. The doctors are telling me, you know, that I, that it's psychological because they can't find anything. Um, but kudos to my mom, who my parents are somewhat hippie-ish, so they also <laughs> were trying lots of different supplements, and kudos to them. They always had my back and believed me. Um, they never once thought this was just drama at school or girls being girls or puberty or whatever. They knew that something had changed in me. I was I was one way physically before, and I was different after they could see it. So they just kept trying and trying. Um, and then I saw a chiropractor who was the first one to say like, oh, your, your lymph nodes are really swollen. Every time I see you, he recommended grapeseed oil and some other supplements that we started to try. And eventually he recommended a clinic in Toronto. That was where we found answers. Canada has uh, universal healthcare, but this was not covered by OHIP. I was from Ontario. So it was completely funded by my parents just to figure out what was going on. And at that clinic, they discovered that I had had mononucleosis infection at some point that they think triggered the resulting fibromyalgia. And so that was my first diagnosis. Um, I never treated it with any medications. It was just the supplements that my parents and I figured out, which was, I know grapeseed oil was like the biggest thing I was on, but other supplements too. So that was my first diagnosis and I carried it with me all through high school, um, not really telling anybody, but missing a lot of school all the time, barely functioning basically. Mm. And then when I went to college, I kind of felt like it was a new start and I didn't tell anybody about my illness and I just pretended that I was fine. So I just kind of never told anybody, lived like, hey, I'm a healthy 18 year old, let's do all the healthy 18 year old things. And really for a lot of years, tried to just live that way. Um, just pretend, pretend that you don't feel sore, pretend all these things don't exist in your life. Um, when I met my husband, we were 20 years old and we got pretty serious pretty quickly. And at some point I thought, I got to tell him that I'm like not the healthiest. So I remember being so scared because I'm like, he's either going to think I'm nuts like all the doctors did, or, you know, he's going to be like, why would I marry someone who's ill? Um, so I finally told him and he handled it like such a gentleman. He told his family who had a lot of questions about it. So that was really the first time that I had been open with anyone besides my family. Mm -hmm. I learned that people don't want to hear about it. 
Doctors don't even believe it's a thing, so just hide it. Just pretend it's not there. Um, and I did that for many years. So my husband knew, but didn't really understand because even into our marriage, I, I hid a lot of what was going on. Um, there were times where I had really sore muscles and you could literally feel the burning, like they felt hot to the touch. And so then like I'd, t I'd take his hand and be like, do you feel that? And he'd be like, yeah. I'd be like, that's, that's my muscles. They're burning right now. And again, never treated the disease at all. Like just didn't do anything. I did take vitamins and supplements, but I was so turned off by the medical treatment I had received as a teenager that I was not going to go there again. So when I was 26, I was very, very ill. Um, I lost again, a bunch of weight, um, couldn't figure out what was going on, but it was definitely something intestinal. I could not eat at all. So I had a colonoscopy and they found what they thought was a large tumor in my intestine. So they scheduled surgery to remove it. Not sure what it was. They said it didn't really look like a typical, like cancerous tumor. It just looked like a big growth in my intestine. Right before surgery, I had this feeling like obviously for pre-op, they're going to test you for pregnancy, but I think I knew intuitively as I was going in pre-op, like, okay, this isn't going to be good. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I think I'm pregnant. So I told them that the blood test showed I was pregnant. So then they were like, what are we going to do with this woman? She can't eat. She's got a tumor. And they were worried as the baby grew that there'd be more pressure on my intestines because I could barely eat or pass anything already. So I actually had surgery during my pregnancy when they felt it was the safest point, which I think was 20, 21 weeks, somewhere around there. I had surgery to have that tumor taken out. But when they took out the tumor, there was no tumor. <sighs> What was happening was my, my intestine was, they call it intussusception. It's where your intestine feeds into itself, like telescopes into itself and starts twisting. And what was causing that, they think, was that my intestine was covered with endometrial growths on the outside. So they just felt like it was my body's reaction, my intestines reaction to having those growths on the outside. So they took a pretty large portion of my intestine out and diagnosed me with endometriosis. So that's, that's how I got diagnosed. I had had horrible periods ever since first having periods. I actually remember telling my mom, if this, if labor is is worse than what I feel during my cycle. I'm never having kids. <laughs> I feel like I'm dying once a month. So I always had those horrible um, menstrual cycles, but never, never knew that I had endometriosis. Don't know when the onset was, if I had it since I was 14 or, or what, but that's when they discovered it. Um, and then I was treated for that with Depo Provera shots for quite a number of years until we tried to get pregnant again. Um, then we went off of it. So that's the endometriosis. 
And along with that came years of struggle with trying to get pregnant, infertility, and everything that goes along with that. Wow. Yeah. So then fast forward to my mid-30s, so about 10 years ago now, that's when I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And not as adventurous of a story, but RA, rheumatoid arthritis, is rampant on my maternal side. So I have several uncles that have it, several aunts, cousins that have autoimmune issues. There's a lot going on in our family tree related to autoimmune disease. Um, and I always remember my best Mo, that's my, my grandma. Um, she had severe rheumatoid arthritis and her hands were severely disfigured. So one morning I woke up and we had just been camping for a week. So I was sore. <laughs> But I woke up and, and both of my knuckles on my pointer finger, you're not videotaping, but I'm pointing, I'm holding up my hands, were red. Like you, if you touched it, it felt like I had knocked it into a wall. And I didn't even put two and two together because they were, it was the identical joint on both hands, which is a telltale sign of rheumatoid arthritis. But I just didn't even think about it. I was like, that's so weird. I must have hit my knuckles. Um, and then the next morning, and my husband was out of town, so that was the complicating factor. The next morning, my shoulder, my right shoulder and left hip were just in excruciating pain. I, I had to drag my leg like, it, like I had dropped or something because I was working full time. I had two young kids that I had to get ready for school. Like, I, you just can't stop life. So that's when I made the doctor's appointment and I called my mom and my mom right away was like, you know what's going on. Like th these are classic symptoms. And I just remembered like bawling. And I think that diagnosis hit me so hard because I've seen the effects on my family and my grandma. Oh, I mean, obviously treatments are different now, but I just was sobbing. And I was, for some reason, that was when I was like, my life is over. I just, this disease is going to kill me someday. <laughs> what, what am I going to do? So I made the appointment, had the blood work done, which showed my rheumatoid factor was high, referred me to the rheumatologist, which took, I want to say about three months to get in, which I think is pretty normal. But at least my primary care did put me on steroids to help control the inflammation until I could see the rheumatologist. Um, and I, I had already decided, you know, I threw all my parents' hippie philosophies out the window. And I was like, give me every drug known to man that will stop this disease because I don't want that future. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I was on methotrexate. That didn't do anything. Lots of trial, like, so I'd go on methotrexate, then I'd go on steroids because just I was on cycles of steroids all the time and I hated it. Then they tried Humira and methotrexate, which um, did work, but I didn't feel like the methotrexate was working. So eventually I just went on Humira. So I was on Humira for probably like six years and started having conversations with my doctor about okay, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I had started um, eating healthier. I cut out gluten. I reduced sugar. Can't say I've eliminated it completely, but severely reduced it. And 
reduced alcohol, although I won't give that up either. <laughs> I like my social hours. <laughs> so I was feeling really good. And my doctor is very reasonable. And he let, we played around with frequency, which I think some people will probably be like, oh, no, you can't do that. We did have some problems with insurance coverage when you do that. But for two years, I was able to stay. I, I was off meds completely and managed the disease um, completely through supplements. I was safe, so I still followed up with my rheumatologist, still did blood work, and still did x-rays just to make sure there was no hidden damage that I wasn't seeing. But we were both comfortable with that. So then fast forward to this year, 2020 has just been the craziest year. I just was not feeling great. I didn't know it was wrong. And it turned out that I was pregnant. So I found out in March that I was expecting. Mm. I was like, what? First of all, I'm 42. And we tried for, gosh, seven years to have another child. And it never happened. Mm -hmm. And I was pregnant. And feel, I did not feel good. So I was pregnant. I did have a miscarriage this summer. That was mm. very tough. I felt like we had finally come to terms with, okay, we're going to be 42, we'll be 60 when our child graduates, but we're going to make it work because that's what we do. I lost the baby in June and it just threw my body out of whack completely, hormonally just chaos. So that's what I've been working on since then is trying to get back to that place of I might not ever get to where I'm not on medication at all, but at least feeling good and healthy. Mm -hmm. And I'm confident I'll get there. I think the biggest thing I've learned is that not to see those sort of flare-ups or setbacks as failures, that this is just part of my journey and I'm learning new things. So embrace it and learn from it. I am back on my Humira and then experimenting with um, different supplements. I think I have a good system going. I take a lot of vitamin D, fish oil, selenium, and vitamin B12, definitely, and ash, ashwagandha. So different supplements to, to help. But also, I'm happy to be back on Humira too. I, I really did need that to be able to fight off the progression that was happening with my disease. So... That brings us to today. It's kind of a crazy story, right? Like even as I'm talking about it, I'm like, wow, that's pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, you've been through a lot and you've like, it sounds like you've taken it all in stride. Like, okay, well, what do I need to do now? Like, yeah, I, I think about that often as a coach too, is like, I'm just an optimistic person. So I might get down for a while, but what is it that picks me back up? I wish I could bottle it because then I would be a millionaire. <laughs> I just try to model it for people because I don't know what it is that gets me back up. I mean, obviously, family support is huge. I'm a big believer in karma and the universe and energy. So just trying to keep positive and put positive out there so I get positive in return. But I wish I knew exactly what the secret sauce was. What I've learned over the years is mindset is such a foundation over any of the habits or like things you want to try. It first has to be 
mindset. And I think it can be hard for women with autoimmune disease to recognize that mindset is, is personal and it's you, right? So, so you can't blame it on a disease process. You can't, it's you taking ownership of, okay, this is what's going on. This is what I can control. This is what I can't control. I'm going to focus on what I can control. And a lot of that is our mindset and our emotional energy. First thing in the morning, for example, I typically wake up with very sore hands and feet. That's just the trademark of rheumatoid arthritis. So I could wake up and be like, oh my gosh, my hands hurt so much. Oh, I can't even get out of bed or, you know, or you can wake up and be like, I'm in pain, so I'm going to have to ease into the day. Like, I'm not saying you just ignore it and do what an athlete would do, but don't dwell on it. Just adjust. So some days, like this morning, I woke up and I had hardly any hand pain. So usually those mornings I'll work out right away. If I'm in pain, my goal is, okay, maybe in the afternoon I can take a break and do some yoga or do something. So I think it just has to do with those little mindset issues that could get you down and choosing not to let it. Yeah, I think we we can't control the way our health affects our, our body, but we can control what we do with that. Like we can make the choice to either sink into it and let it take over our day, or we can make the choice to be like, you know what, this is what it is. Let's work with it. Yeah. And I worked through a lot of, you know, like I said, for many years, I did not tell people that I was sick. I really saw it as a sign of weakness. And then over the last few years, I just, I've decided, you know what, I don't think it's a sign of weakness. I actually am proud of the fact that despite three autoimmune conditions, I have a master's degree, I have my health coaching certificate, and I'm just getting started. So there are days where I feel like physically I could barely function. And those days, that's fine. I don't, I'll take that day off if I need to. So I'm not saying just be a warrior and power through every day. My body does have limitations and it does stop me Mm -hmm. that day. But ultimately, I win. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you find once you started on Humira, did you find it affect your fibromyalgia at all? Or was it only targeting the RA? No. So fibromyalgia, the biggest thing that has helped me is I I have really a whole system. Vitamin D, I believe, helps my fibromyalgia. I also get at least, I try to aim for nine hours of sleep at night, Mm -hmm. um, especially during the winter. And fibromyalgia really impacts me during the winter months the most. So I have a system that I do, and it includes doubling up on vitamin D. I have a therapy, a light therapy lamp. So I do that twice a day. Sleep I mentioned. Sometimes I might take three showers a day. I'm not ashamed to admit it. No, don't be. <laughs> I, love, I love the the warm water and then like then I just sort of try to move around and get loosened up. And I have a weighted blanket too. So usually in the afternoon I'll have a cup of tea and my weighted blanket and I'm just I rest. And surprisingly, I don't know what the science is behind weighted blankets, but it really seems to help my muscle soreness. Interesting. And actually, I, I learned about weighted blankets working with the elderly. We, we use them with folks that had dementia, and it seemed to have such a calming effect on them. I just, I love it. So, and then my 
not so healthy habit for surviving the winter, although I haven't done it this year, is potentially I might have done some tanning before. Oh, okay. I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't think there's any science behind it. Again, I, I know that light therapy works, but my light that doesn't also potentially cause skin cancer is <laughs> good enough. But I just a few years ago decided that once a week I was going to go to the tanning salon. And I, yeah, I have been known to do that. <laughs> um, I want to hear more about your companies that you've started uh, for people with autoimmune diseases. Tell me more about those. Sure. Okay. So for wellness coaching, we focus a lot on mindsets. That's kind of the cornerstone to me. I, I think there's a lot of programs out there that give you what you should be eating what supplements you should be taking. The problem is that we don't do it. So you may know like, oh, I shouldn't eat gluten. That's a known autoimmune, an inflammatory trigger, but yet you're still eating gluten. So why? Mm -hmm. That's what we get at is the why. And when we focus on that why, and for a lot of us, it's feeling defeat. Like, well, nothing's going to help anyway. So just do what I enjoy. So we work through all of that. I usually start clients with practicing gratitude because it's a very simple practice that starts to get that mindset shifting. So I created a gratitude journal for my clients for them to practice daily gratitude. And it's, I really love the journal because it's not just name five things you're grateful for. It does do that, but it also talks about name something you're going through today. Name a challenge you're going through and what you're doing about it. And it's supposed to teach you that you can be grateful even when things are challenging, right? Don't just be grateful for the things everyone's grateful for, but be thankful even for something autoimmune related because what is it teaching you and how is it causing you to grow? So my coaching philosophy is based hugely on mindset. And then we focus on habit formation and then we focus on specific nutrition and movement. I don't think those things are going to be successful until you focus on mindset first. I feel like that's sort of what sets me apart. And really, for me, it's many years of trial and error. So I know that what helped me was focusing on my mindset mm -hmm. or anything else. So that's what I teach others. And then we get into the nitty gritty. So I know there's you know, the autoimmune protocol diet and this diet. But how I work with women is just really good old fashioned functional analysis. So we do a lot of record keeping, which again is why I created my, <laughs> my shop because we look at everything you eat and what the weather was like that day because did that impact you at all? We just look at so many factors and then we break apart to figure out what is triggering you and then we change those things incrementally, not sweeping change because then you never know what works and doesn't work, but just tweaking little things along the way to figure out what works for that specific person because it's different for everyone. Well, so if anyone wants to get in contact with you or learn more about um, your businesses, how do they do that? Where do they find you? So I am on Instagram as at Jana Milligan, so just my name. Um, and then I do have a website. It's not actually completely done, but it's just janamilligan.com. 
um, and then email info at janamilligan.com. Okay, great. I'll make sure I put these in the show notes as well. So people can just kind of click on them if they're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this was so much fun. I, I kudos to you for doing, I think it's very needed. Um, and I can't wait to hear other women's stories too. I think this is wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's been really cool just to hear all the different experiences and how people have coped with it. And so many people have turned what could be a, you know, something that like changes their life for the worst and they've used it, they flipped it and made it something helpful for other people and stuff. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. I think that we are stronger and we are probably like the people that should be leading the future because <laughs> everything we've been through and are still able to do so much. So yeah. I love working with autoimmune women. I think we're warriors, so. Well, thank you once again. Um, We'll chat soon, okay? Yeah. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. If you'd like to get in touch with Jana, you can find all that pertinent information in the show notes. Before I sign off, I wanted to quickly tell everyone what I've learned about the COVID vaccine. I know it's a touchy subject in the autoimmune community, but I think it's important information that needs to be shared. I had an appointment with my roomie and asked if I was able to get the vaccine. I know that immunocompromised patients were not part of the trial phases, so I was curious about my eligibility. She explained to me that the hesitation with immunocompromised patients is that their bodies won't be able to create antibodies, therefore making the vaccine kind of useless. She said that if someone is on a strong immunosuppressive medication, they may be advised to skip a few doses when they get their first dose of the vaccine. The first dose does a majority of the work, so they could go right back on their usual meds a few days after taking the vaccine and stay on it through the second dose. Others who are on a bit of a weaker immunosuppressant could continue taking their meds through the vaccination process. She did say a concern with RA is the vaccine could send them into a small flare, but honestly, I'll take a small flare over COVID any day. My roomie also explained that though the vaccine itself was developed quite quickly, the technology used to develop it has been around for over a decade. So even though the process seems hasty, it's actually a tried and true method of creating vaccines. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I do think everyone should discuss a vaccination plan with their doctors. I know I'm excited to get it and will be first in line when my phase of distribution rolls up. If you've got a chronic condition and would like to be a guest on My Immune System Hates Me, you can email me at myimmunesystempod at gmail.com or you can reach out on Instagram at myimmunesystempod. I've also got a Facebook group at My Immune System Pod, so like, check it out. Don't forget to rate and review the show. The more ratings the show gets, the easier it will be for others to find it. And a quick disclaimer before we go... Any information discussed in this podcast is strictly my opinion and those of my guests and are for informational purposes only. We are speaking from our personal experiences and you should always consult with your doctor or medical team. Till next time, uh, bye bye.